So I have a few brief words to share. I could just say, aren't children lovely? Right, and that would be enough. Unfortunately, I'm going to say a little bit more. <laughs> children were being brought to Jesus in order that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them. But Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. So Jesus and those around him, trying to understand how Jesus was bringing the goodness of God into the world, took a pretty high view of children. They cared about children. They paid attention to children. They put children in the center. They worked hard to include children. And it wasn't just because they were lovely, but because they thought that we could learn from them what it meant to relate to God. So here's a statement. This is from John, a close friend of Jesus, offering some thoughts. See what love God has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. So the only way we can communicate about God or put thoughts to who God is, what God is like, what it means to relate to God is through metaphors, through things from our lived experience of life as physical embodied beings that we then take and map onto what we think is going on with God. And one of the central metaphors that's used that people again surrounding Jesus used to try to make sense of how Jesus helped them understand God was that of being a child, being a child of God. So here's an example. This is from Paul, so a thinker who <clears throat> wrestled a lot with the goodness of God coming into the world through Jesus. In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ. So this identity that we come into, this conception of the identity of being a child of God, Paul felt was pretty important. It was big. It superseded all other identities, specifically those aspects of identity that often produce division or conflict, right? In Paul's conception, this coming into being a child of God put those things to rest, diminished those, because we all became together children of God. Here's another from Paul. The creation waits longingly for the revealing of the children of God in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from its enslavement to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So Paul has this idea that we come from being not children of God into being children of God, and it's pretty awesome, right? One of the things that happens is some sort of predisposition to decay or deterioration is done away with. We're liberated. We come into some sort of freedom, <laughs> and it's like cosmic in scope. The rest of the cosmos looks on at what happens to us through becoming children and says, I want that. That looks good to me. How do I get that? Right? And so these references 
lean into a goodness that comes to us if we understand what it means to be a child of God. But it starts to stir questions. It seems like for these folks that Jesus and others were thinking about, there was a time prior where they were not children of God, and then they come into being children of God. And becoming a child is at least in part stirred or stirs thoughts about what that means. Thoughts of resemblance. You resemble the person who you are a child of in ways. Maybe physically, maybe temperamentally. And there's also goodnesses that come to you, right? Access, privilege, rights. I, you know, I can picture the scenes of the movies where there's a big meeting of adults and they're gathered around the table having important adult conversations, deciding world-shaping events. And then a little child walks in. <laughs> little Susie walks into the room and goes to the head of the table and there is her mother running the show. But everything quiet. And there's a hush because everybody at the table knows that a child has special access to its parent, that the parent causes the world to stop for the sake of the child. And so the question then becomes for me, well, if this is an image or a metaphor that's meant to represent in some way how God conceives of you and I relating to God, again, how do we get there? What does that look like? Which leads me to a couple of thoughts from Jesus about this that are somewhat puzzling and a bit challenging. <clears throat> this is from Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, so his launching message to this new, growing faith movement. We sometimes called it his Manifesto on the Mount. Here's one statement. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Here's another. Love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Which of us does that? It also includes pray for those who persecute you. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as God your parent is merciful. So Jesus seems to be saying that there is a way of resembling God, that out there, maybe in the mind of Jesus, maybe in others, there's a conception of what God is like, how God behaves. And that if we then behave in a similar way, it will be evidence that we are children of God. So this becomes a way of becoming a child of God, not through a decision or signing a piece of paper or going through a ceremony, but how you behave causes somebody looking on to say, oh, I recognize that. You must be descended from. You must be a child of God. The trouble is that the requirement is pretty daunting. Blessed are the peacemakers. So I think of myself. Like, I sometimes can produce peace where there's contentiousness, but it's usually because I can't handle stress. And so I just say, stop it, stop squabbling. Right? It produces peace for the moment that's going to break out the next day. I don't think it's the deep kind of peacefulness that Jesus is thinking about here. Right? And it, it maps onto my lived experience of the children that are in my world right now. 
My wife and I just spent time with our son and his daughter and their two children, our two grandchildren, Jerry and Madeline. And they are, I'm sorry, the most adorable grandchildren on the planet, right? So for Jerry right now, he's three years old, anything that ends in E-R is pronounced E-W-A. So, Grandpa, I found a featherwa on the beach. It's just adorable. He laughs, he plays catch, he runs, he giggles, he does all sorts of things that are just lovely through and through. But Jerry is not always a peacemaker. <laughs> His sister is two years older than him. He wants what she wants. He just pushes her. And he knows that that's not going to make her happy, that that's not going to produce peacefulness. And I look at the rest of these things too. I think of myself, love your enemies. Do good. Lend, expecting nothing in return. Pray for those who persecute you. And I don't think when Jesus says pray for those who persecute you that he's talking about the David kind of prayer in the Psalms where David says, yeah, please just do away with them. I think Jesus is after an ethic of love where for those with whom we find ourselves in conflict, we do not ratchet it up. We do not respond in kind. And this is where I have to face, so when I struggle with making peace, when I produce division instead of peace, right? When I'm self-absorbed instead of generous, when I respond to persecution in kind, retributively, sometimes that happens for me because of things that have happened to me, right? I've been affected by hurts, wounds, and insults that caused me to be reactive, that caused me to be self-centered. I also find within myself just my humanness. I am a child of humanity. There is something in me beyond what has happened. David asked us a few weeks ago, do you think children are inherently good or children are inherently bad? You know, most of us said good because children are lovely. <clears throat> I think I would probably just answer yes. <laughs> right? That's certainly what I would say about myself. And I hear this ask of Jesus, this, if you behave in this way, you will be a children of God. And I think, ah. Which leads me to the last verse, this last thought from Jesus' friend John. The word, Jesus, came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh or of human will, but of God. And I hear that and I just say, oh, thank you, right? It's the kind of statement that can get us into trouble in these sort of conversations. We think of a before and after, a transformation. 
prior to being a child of God to being a child of God. We can cause that to produce division or an in versus an out group. We can also wonder about, well, what's the mechanism? Here comes power. What is power like? How does it work in me to produce transformation? Good things to think about, but nobody knows the answer. What it says to me is that as I aspire to be a child of God, I need help. It takes more than just me being effortful, more than just me really wanting it, more than me working hard, more than somebody else close to me really wanting it. My wife. (laughs) It takes help. It takes Jesus. It takes the power of God to cause me to become a child of God. And for me, this is my last thought on this topic, even the term power can, be, uh, can lead us in funny directions. We can think, boom, a big event that happens once, and whammo, you're different going forward, and isn't that awesome? Only you wake up the next day and you're not. Right? We can try to package this as a one-time dramatic event, For me, what I have found as I come to Jesus day after day after day is that it is a lifelong pursuit of the power of God to transform me to become a child. It is as I come to Jesus and I do everything I can to imagine him, to experience him prayerfully, contemplatively. It is in those places that I experience Jesus loving me when I am at odds with him, when I am an enemy to Jesus and Jesus loves me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. When Jesus gives to me, expecting nothing in return, I can be transformed by that. When Jesus cares for me, when I experience his power, the power of his childhoodness, the power of his sonship, the spirit of his sonship coming into me in those moments, I am changed. I feel different. I experience the transformation of what it means to become a child. I can come into that goodness of more closely resembling God, of becoming less a child of my humanness and more a child of God. So that's the invitation that's there for us this morning as we experience the loveliness of the children, as we experience them, hopefully, in this community coming into their own deeper connection to God, as we do everything we can to bless them in this faith community. So let me bring us to a moment of prayer before we transition to the rest of the service. Jesus, we give you a moment here this morning. Thank you for our children. Help us understand how we are your children. The love that you feel towards us, just as we feel towards these little ones who we brought into connection with you this morning. I pray that we would catch an image of what that means, that we are your children, God, what that would look like for us. And that we would understand how you make that happen. How you help that to happen. How you help to produce that kind of transformation in us.
Amen.